I'm very lucky. I never work a day in my life. You know, I'm, uh, I really enjoy what I do. Uh, enjoy the cooking part of it, of course, but my favorite thing is to go out and meet nice people. And if everyone shows up at nighttime, I don't have to replace someone if no one's on vacation or sick or whatever. I get to go out and greet the customers and just try and make sure they're happy. I mean, it was a very simple philosophy that Grandma and Grandpa taught us many years ago was if someone chooses to walk through that door with so many choices of restaurants, and now there are a lot more choices than when they started, um, you have to thank them, number one, and number two, you've got to make sure they're happy so they'll come back, and uh, we try and do that. We try and do that as well. Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. For today's episode, we went to the one and only Patsy's Italian restaurant on 56th Street to speak with the owner, Sal. Here's what Betsy Pollaby, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business. Yes, Patsy's is synonymous with Frank Sinatra and his entire family, actually. But Patsy's Italian restaurant is so much more than that because it's about Sal and his father, Joe, and his mom, and his wife, and his boys, and the multi-generation establishment that they have, have kept going for 75 years, 2019, they are celebrating their 75th anniversary and always having been on 56th Street. But besides the warmth and the love that they give every person who enters their restaurant, the food is absolutely classic, outstanding Italian. I'm Sal Scognamillo, and our business is Patsy's Italian Restaurant on West 56th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue in New York City. It was my grandfather, whose name was Pasquale, was changed to Patsy when he went to Ellis Island, who started the business. And uh, he's, he was the first chef, and uh, my father, the second chef, God bless, my father's 86, still comes in once in a while. You know, he's been here since the very beginning. And uh, I'm only the third chef in, chef in all these years, and um, this year we're celebrating our 75th anniversary. We're very uh, excited about that. When did you get involved with the business? I started full-time in, in January of 1985. And I took television and film production in college and uh, couldn't find a job. I worked as a cameraman for a, for a few months. And then uh, my father said, would you like to learn how to cook? I said, sure, why not? And that's 34 years ago. I can't believe how fast the time goes. Can you tell me more about why your grandfather started the business? Oh, my grandfather, when he first came to America, uh, I believe it was 1928, his first job was driving a truck for Macy's and uh, deliveries and things like that. And then he got into the restaurant business as a, um, started out as a busboy and he worked in, in kitchens. He worked as a waiter, he worked as a manager. And he went from several places as, a, uh, as he worked himself up to change uh, positions, he would get a new job. But he'd wind up running a place for someone else who owned it, doing all their work. And he said at that point, he says, I might as well open my own business. And mm -hmm. in 1942, two years before he started Patsy's Italian Restaurant, Grandpa opened with a partner, a place called the Sorrento. It was on 49th and 8th, about seven blocks from where we are right now. And he was very successful, and he was uh, lucky because a lot of people had, that he had known throughout the years as a waiter and a manager later on followed him around. And one of the people that followed him to the Sorrento in 1942 was a man named Tommy Dorsey, who was a band leader, very famous. And one day he brought in a young, uh, young man who was a singer and said to my grandfather, he says, uh, I've got this, uh, Patsy, I've got this skinny kid from Hoboken. I want you to fatten him up. And that was when my grandfather met Frank Sinatra for the first time. Two years after my grandfather started Sorrento, him and his partner had a uh, parting of ways. 
1944, he opened uh, Patsy's Italian restaurant on 56th Street, uh, right next to where we are right now. There was one, one door over from the current location. And in 1954, we moved to our current 236 West 56th Street. All right. And what was the area like when your grandfather started the restaurant? Oh, it was, it was much different. I mean, you know, 8th Avenue was like the end of the world. You know, you didn't go past 8th Avenue. That was it. And there was a lot of car dealers here. Even when I started in 85, now I started full-time in 85, but I started coming in in 1977. And, uh, you know, when I was in uh, school, like in the summertime or during a break, I'd come in just, you know, honestly, it was to spend time with my, my father because I never got to see him. The hours, you know, that we worked as restaurant tours are very long. And, you know, I got to, uh, to meet a lot of nice people at that point. I actually met Sinatra when I was only 13 years old, 1975, I came in once. And um, it was just, it's a lot of fun. But it has transformed quite a bit, the, the area. It was a lot of car dealerships were here. Across the street was a Chrysler dealership. On the corner was, uh, uh, it was called Datsun back then, and now it's called Nissan, if you remember that far back. And uh, 8th Avenue, past 8th Avenue, it really wasn't much. But it's really transformed quite a bit since then. And in a better way, I think. We have a beautiful building across the street is residential and businesses. Right next to us is the corporate headquarters of Random House, which published my first cookbook back in 2002. And ironically, uh, my best friend from uh, grammar school, I, I know since we were five years old, winds up working next door to me here. It's so funny. So we kept in touch that way. And um, it's more, uh, much more uh, competition. There's a lot more restaurants. I think on the one square block that we're on, including 55th, 56th, 8th and Broadway, there's about 23 places to eat, not including the four or five food trucks that are out during the day, uh, during the week. But I think it's much better. It's always been a great location. You know, it's a block and a half from Carnegie Hall. It's near all the, within 10 blocks of the major theaters, you know, just on this cusp of the theater district as well. And I think it's always been a great location and it's gotten better. Were you close to your grandfather? Yes, yeah. I, you know, he, he lived the longest. I was about uh, just short of 24 when he died. And so I got to know him the best of my four grandparents. Um, my mother's uh, father, he passed, I was only 16. And my grandmother, his grandpa, Patsy's wife, I was only 13. And um, so I didn't get to know her as well. I didn't get to know her as well. And, my, and on my mother's side, my mother's uh, mom died. I was only like uh, seven. So, okay. yeah. But Grandpa Patsy, I got to know very well. And he was, he was just a great person overall. He just, his thing was making people happy. And even Grandma Conchetta. Grandma Conchetta was way, way ahead of her time. She was a real astute businesswoman. And, you know, Grandpa Patsy was so um, caring and giving, he would never give people a check if they couldn't pay, you know, and stuff like that. And Grandma would go back and say, that, that guy could pay, let him pay, and stuff like that. So she was really a person way ahead of her time, especially for a woman. I mean, she would uh, do anything to answer phones, get behind the bar, make drinks, things like that. And she was very, um, very, very strong woman. You know, um, it was a typical immigrant story where my grandfather came first and then my grandmother came later. And, and my father was the first of his uh, family born here. So obviously after she came over and he was born here, they lived down in Little Italy on Martin Camar streets. And when my father was about 16, they moved to Forest Hills, um, Queens. Mm -hmm. And um, then he, till he got married, then we, we live now on Long Island. But Grandma Conchetta was really a very smart businesswoman. And it's so funny because um, my grandparents' first customers were people from the theater. So they had a special affinity for musicians and actors and things like that and singers. And he had a whole box of IOUs from like uh, one person who told the story actually uh, Rosemary Clooney was one of my favorites. 
Um, she's George Clooney's aunt, for those who don't know. And she was in White Christmas, famous movie with Bing, Bing Crosby. A great, great singer. One of my favorites of all time. The night that Frank Sinatra died, she was on um, a show called The Late Late Show with Tom Snyder. And they were talking about different things. And somehow the subject of Patsy's had, had come up, Patsy's Italian restaurant. Tom Snyder had been here, she had been here. And of course it was Frank Sinatra's favorite place. And uh, she was telling a story how my grandfather and my grandmother would give them uh, no check because they knew they were struggling actresses and singers on Broadway. And it would go six months and we wouldn't be able to pay it. And if we couldn't pay it, Patsy would rip it up. And she says, you know, I don't know if anyone would do that nowadays. Now, this is 1998, 20 years ago. And she says, uh, I don't know if anyone would do that. But then she looked at Cameron. And she says, no, Joe from Patsy's, my father, would still do that. But the funny story behind that whole thing is that my grandparents had a bunch of IOUs, you know, people that didn't pay. They would sign their name on it. And these were famous people that if we didn't rip up those checks, those signatures would be worth more than what they owed us, you know. So those kind of... Uh, those kind of stories that make me laugh sometimes, <laughs> make me laugh and make me cry too, because you know, could have had a few bucks out of it. But you know, yeah, we're always happy to make people happy. As long as I'm making a living, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. It's it's a it's a fun thing. How did you and your family come to own the building? Well, we're so blessed that Grandma and Grandpa bought the building many years ago, back in the '50s, because uh, originally Patsy's was located one store over uh, uh, from where we are. We're at 236 West 56th Street. We're at 238. And Grandma and Grandpa rented uh, that space for 10 years. And uh, he, they got you know, annoyed that the landlord was kept raising the rent, raising the rent, raising the rent. Uh, this building came available for sale, and they, they jumped at the chance to buy it. And thank God they did, because if we had to uh, pay rent on top of everything else, it would be really, really, really challenging to, uh, to stay in business. So, and it also, by buying it, it secured the future. But also, instead of one level, now we have the two levels. So up and downstairs, so it was almost doubling the size of the uh, the restaurant at the same time, and it was uh, it was an important, uh, uh, I think, the most important step mm -hmm. that was taken to uh, secure that we could still be here because it's so sad. You see things all the time, and it was a restaurant maybe a block and a half away from here that we used to recommend uh, if we were full or we had a party or something, and uh, they were there for 34 years, and landlord got greedy, and and now they're not there, and its space is empty for three or four years, and I'll never understand that if I was. I mean, you know, you don't know someone until you walk in their shoes, but if I was a landlord, I would never want to take away a tenant that was paying me. They obviously were doing something right for 34 years after they're all those years. I think that's a foolish business move, and it's also pretty heartless. And unfortunately, you do see a lot of that now in the city. You do see more and more of that. It's sad. But um, it's something that we're very blessed that, that uh, they took that step, for sure. Can you tell me about your customers in the past and also today? Our customers have been very, very loyal to us. I mean, the way I'm the third generation and my son now graduated college, my oldest son graduated college as the fourth generation, we have four and five generations of customers coming here. And how do I say thank you to a person that has been coming here since before I was born? I mean, you know, and, and bringing his family. It's just, it's, it's a, a, such a special relationship I think we have. And uh, when I wrote my first cookbook, Nancy Sinatra, Frank's daughter, wrote the forward. And she wrote something in there that was very um, touching. I mean, a lot of things were very touching. But one of the things she wrote is that she says, to me, Patsy's is more than just a restaurant. It's, it's a touchstone to so many events in her life, um, being here with her father and who she called Uncle Dean Martin and Uncle Sammy Davis Jr. and things like that. It's amazing, and there's a situation. If you look at the Sinatra family alone, his, uh, his granddaughter um, was here recently with her daughter. 
So that would represent five generations of Sinatras that ate here. It was Frank's parents, of course, Frank Sinatra, his children, his grandchildren, now his great-granddaughter. I think that, you know, when someone says to you, oh, my God, uh, when we travel to New York, we plan our vacation around coming to Patsy's Italian restaurant. I mean, again, how do I say thank you to them? And I think the best thing I could do is just make sure that they're happy. And uh, I feel like um, the greatest compliment I've ever received is that um, when I meet someone like that who's been coming here forever, and I always, you know, automatically say, okay, good, uh, have a good evening, enjoy your dinner tonight. I hope you enjoy everything. They'll say to me, Sal, I know what the food's going to taste like before I get here, and that's why I come back. So, I mean, that's just such a wonderful feeling. What, besides the incredible food, keeps people coming back? You know, I think, I think it's part of it is, is, the, uh, is the family is still here. I always make a joke that uh, was successful for the three Fs, the food, family, and Frank Sinatra. Um, I think that um, the fact that it's not a big corporate-run restaurant, nothing wrong with them, but I think that, the, uh, you know, it's the sort of place that we know what you like, you know, how it's prepared. I mean, we have our captain downstairs been with us for 40 years. I mean, before the people sit down, the drink is on the table, what they want. So I think that's a big part of it. I really do I think it's a big part of it. And, um, and you know, making a joke, jokes aside, the Frank Sinatra thing really does keep people coming back here. Just last uh, May, we had, I don't know if you're familiar with, a country singer named Brett Eldridge, very, very popular, uh, only 32 years old. I never knew that he is a tremendous, huge Sinatra fan. My wife loves country music, so she was aware of, of his singing, but not so much that he was a huge Sinatra fan. Mm -hmm. So back here on May 7th, he came here. I was brought here by one of the radio executives who was a steady customer, and they sat at the table we're sitting at right now, which is where Frank used to sit in the upstairs room towards the window. And uh, they were supposed to do a Facebook Live interview for about five minutes, uh, talking about, you know, because this man loves Frank Sinatra, just asking questions. Instead... What they did was uh, surprise me, and they did a two-hour concert, and it was broadcast oh. on Channel 56, The Highway, and he sang for two hours Frank Sinatra songs. And I want to tell you, he was unbelievable. And his, um, his passion came through, his affinity for Sinatra came through, and mostly he had five Jack Daniels, so he really became like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and uh, I have to tell you, it was amazing because uh, all of a sudden we're looking, and you know, I said, okay, go ahead, do the five-minute five minute Facebook interview, and we see a guitar player come in, a, a, an organ player, and, and 36 people who had won tickets to the secret concert by calling in the radio station. So secret, I didn't know about it. And I said, gee, guys, why didn't you tell me about this? They said, well, if we told you, you would have invited all your friends, right? I said, yes. He says, well, that's why we didn't tell you. <laughs> so, but it was just amazing. And um, that segued into uh, every December 12th, we celebrate Frank Sinatra's um, birthday here. And we've done it with Seriously Sinatra, Channel 71, many times. And... Uh, this year, they wanted to take a break. They want to do something different, which I can understand, you know, same for five years. And my wife suggested Channel 56, The Highway. Mm -hmm. And we got Lee Bryce to come in, also sang some Sinatra songs. Brett wasn't available, but we used some of the, the songs they sang then to broadcast that day. And the whole uh, show was about how Frank Sinatra influenced country music, which was, which was really, really cool. And that, in turn... Unaware, but my wife pointed out, was that we opened up, I think, another whole group of potential customers that might not have known about us. And I lost count at about 500 people who said they heard the Brett Eldridge concert on Channel 56. So it was really, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, when it was all over, I said to him, I said, you know, you're only 32. If I do the math, you were 12 when Frank Sinatra passed away. Where, where did, you know, where did this love come from? He said, my grandparents always played 
his music. And uh, he's fabulous. He did a Christmas album now, and I took my wife to see him at the Beacon Theater. And he was just incredible, really, really fun. So I, th I think it keeps people coming back, that, that kind of love. And, you know, even Nancy, going back to what Nancy Sinatra said in the forward to my cookbook, she says that uh, the Scognamillo family, which is us, uh, does uh, what the Sinatra family does in music, the Scognamillo family does with uh, food. Their love and passion is the same. And, I mean, the two things are such uh, wonderful um, occupations to, to give the potential to make people happy. I mean, music, you could be in such a, you know, dour mood and you hear something great, lifts your spirit and stuff. And hopefully that people come here and they have a great meal and they're with their family and a lot of times it's a birthday or an anniversary or something. I, I feel the, the connection and the, the parallels are there and I think that really helps cement uh, why people do come back to us as well. Do you have any moments that were particularly important to you over your time here? Um, I think probably the most um, important and meaningful moment I ever had was when uh, my grandfather got to see me. My grandfather, Patsy, got to see me be the chef. And he was um, satisfied. You know, he was happy that I was able to do it. Um, that's probably uh, the most um, meaningful thing. Um, when uh, my wife and son joined the business, very important to me that I still have family here supporting me as well. When my father actually turned the reins over to me to do the kitchen after training me for over a year, very important. Uh, First time I cooked for Frank Sinatra, <laughs> meaningful. And I think all the friendships that I've developed, and it's more than friendships, it's part of extended family. It's, uh, it's very um, meaningful for me anytime someone comes back and it's been coming here for so many years and continues to come back. So those are things that always stay in my mind. I also want to ask, Frank Sinatra is obviously a very important part of your history and a very important person in the history of Patsy's, but it sounds very much like it wasn't just because of his enormous fame and talent, but because he fit into the family in some way. Could you expand on that? I think that you're correct. I think he really felt uh, at home here. It was literally a place he could let his hair down. He didn't have to, uh, you know, he's always on. Think about it, performing, movies, television, of course, singing. Um, so I think that's really what um, made him most uh, happy about coming here. Besides the food, like you said, besides the food, it was very important. And um, a man like that, when he tells you to go to somewhere, you're gonna you're gonna try it. I mean, even after, even after he was gone, there's still people like uh, whether it was uh, the boxer Sugar Ray Leonard, um, uh, the singer Bono, said to me, the late great Frank Sinatra, I have to told me I have to come here, I have to eat at Patsy's Italian restaurant. I mean, so his. Um, his uh, influence still lives on, still lives on with it. And uh, people ask me, you know, well, you know, oh, you have good food, you still would have been as successful. I said, no, there's no way. We would have had as many people know about us. In a city of 20,000 restaurants, let's be honest now, how are, you gonna, how are people gonna know about you? And I mean, that's a pretty, if he was a PR person, a public relation, that would be a pretty big, uh, big person to have, you know? <laughs> So it, it really was a, a very helpful part of it mm -hmm. as well, yeah. And I think it means more that he was doing that in the time, in the era that he was promoting you because it wasn't like he was getting paid to go on a TV ad, but it was just so yes. genuine. This is 
a place that is important to me. And I, you know, he was going around just telling people to come here. That's a very important point. Absolutely. Very important point that you're making is that it was, uh, you know, before social media or something, you know, picture Frank Sinatra liking our post or something, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's more genuine when a friend tells you. It's a great thing. I mean, a lot of times we get people that are staying in hotels and the concierge will re recommend it. It's good. And nowadays, like I, I mentioned, the social media. I mean, I, I'll see, I live in Long Island. I got a, a friend of mine for many years. I, I uh, purchased uh, cars from him throughout the years. He uh, works in a car dealership. And um, I'll see him post something, you know, of, of a sandwich he had in, in a town close to me. And I'm like, oh, I got to try that place. So it has an influence too. But again, I know him. It's not someone just random posting. So it's all, it, all, it all works together to help us get noticed. Tell me about your food. Oh, <laughs> our food is, uh, you know, Heart and Menu has been the same. People say, you know, why don't you change this and change that? But we are at Heart as a red sauce, Southern Italian, Neapolitan restaurant. And the items on the menu today are the heart of the menu is what it was when Grandma and Grandpa started. These are foods that they cooked in their own home. So they always made a joke. It was like an extension of their own home with a bigger kitchen and a bigger dining room. And these are the foods they would make. So it's, you know, obviously all the Parmesans, the veal, the chicken, eggplant Parmesans are popular, spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with uh, red or white clam sauce, shrimp scampi, veal rollatini masala, chicken masala. I put some other things on that obviously newer things, but usually are specials. I mean, uh, one thing that we run in the, in the, in the fall is like uh, we make a, a combination of a pumpkin tortelloni with a butternut squash ravioli mm. with a cream and uh, sage sauce, very nice. And that wasn't on the menu back then, of course. I mean, things like penne alla vodka, which become synonymous with Italian cooking, wasn't on the menu since then. Tiramisu is, is relatively new in, in, in terms of a 75-year span. It's relatively new, obviously, but it wasn't there in 1944. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing because um, Grandpa Patsy actually got to see me be the chef before he passed away. He passed in 86. I started in 85. And I'll never forget the last time um, we, we saw him at Patsy's was he came in and we usually eat dinner in the afternoon, like in between lunch and dinner, like 3, 4 o'clock. That's our time to have a, a few minute break. And so he had come in and 10 members of the family were here waiting for him. And uh, we were all at the front. And we we're ready to gre greet him. Uh, hello, Grandpa. Hi, Pop. How you doing? Is that? He, he didn't say hello. He walked past all of us. He went in the kitchen. He went downstairs. He came back up. I said, Pop, where'd you go? He said, I want to make sure you, you're buying the same veal I told you to buy. So, <laughs> and in many cases, I'm dealing with the same suppliers, the same cheese place, the Palo downtown. We've been buying for 75 years. We're their longest continuous customer. They've been around since 1920. Raffetto for the fresh pasta downtown as well. I'm sure you're familiar with these, uh, these places. Um, the same vegetable man. As a matter of fact, the vegetable man showed us recently a picture of him and my father, aged, he was eight, my father was 10, and my grandfather, my grandparents' anniversary party he brought. That's how long back we go with them. So that does, that does a couple of things. One is it um, ensures the quality is going to be there because they know <laughs> what to send me, and I'm going to send it back if it's not right. And it, it just it makes you feel um, a little more uh, secure as an owner that you're still providing uh, your customers with the quality that they've become accustomed to because it's the mm -hmm. same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> same Absolutely. thing. So you mentioned that you purchased some of your products from Raffetto's. Is pasta one of those things? Yes, you... yes, mm -hmm. we do. And, um, you know, I, at, at some point I stopped making pasta. I used to do it as well. It became really uh, an, uh, more of a cost-efficient thing but without sacrificing the quality. Even like the raviolis and things I'll buy from them, it's our stuffing 
our recipe for our stuffing. What's very good about him and, and Rich and his brother is that they'll, they'll do whatever you, know, you ask them to, to conform to your recipe. So there's another case where it's not so, not you know, like the dry pasta I don't buy, like the fresh pasta, the fettuccine, uh, some of the raviolis, uh, the pumpkin tortelloni I mentioned to you as well. And some of these are his recipes and some, are that, some that I've developed. And if it's something that I've developed, if it's something he's done and I wanna change it a little bit, he'll do it for me. That's the beauty of something like uh, having someone like that in a relationship like that for so many years. They're the grandchildren of the, the founders. So that's what I'm dealing with now. How have you maintained those relationships? Oh, it's, it's been great. I mean, you know, it's, it's a relationship more than just obviously a person who's buying stuff and the person you're dealing with. I mean, these people have been to, like I said, they've been to our family functions and stuff. My grandparents' anniversary they were at. They come to birthdays and things like that. And it, it's been a wonderful thing because it really is an extension of what I feel is uh, our restaurant is, is, is everyone's part of our family. Whether it's a customer, whether it's uh, the wait staff, the kitchen staff. I mean, like I said, one of our, the longest uh, running uh, employee we have now is, is our, our captain who's been 40 years, you know. I always make a joke when he's taking an order with the people. I say, he's just getting a hang of it. He just started about 40 <laughs> years ago. You know, he's just getting past that probation period. And uh, I think it's all part of that familial feeling. And I think that's why they stay with us, too. I mean, you know, that's a career right there. 40 years is a double career. I mean, some mm -hmm. people after 20, they've, you know, moved on with a pension and everything. So I think that that's part of the um, overall success that we uh, are so lucky to enjoy. What have been some of the challenges of taking on a family business? You know, uh, probably the biggest challenge for taking on the business for me was to uh, try and uh, make sure I lived up to uh, the standards that people had come to expect, customers and, of course, my, my, my staff as well. And the pressure of it, um, I, I mean, I could blame it a little bit, but I gained a lot of weight when I first started. And then uh, I've gained and I've lost it several times. I keep seeming to find that weight again. But, uh, you know, I, it, was, it was very much a pressure. And I think there's a funny story I could tell you that probably best il illustrates this and um, it's the first time I cooked for Frank Sinatra. I was 22 years old, and I was in the kitchen here upstairs, and he was in the very room we're in right now with my father, and my father had a suit on. So Frank Sinatra says to my dad, he said, Joe, he says, what are you doing with a suit? You got to put on your whites, you know, to change and go in the kitchen and cook for me. He says, no, he says, my son Sal took over the kitchen. He said, let me see him. So I never, it was like yesterday. I never forget. I was in the kitchen, and I hear the, I'm cutting up an onion. I hear the door swing open. And it's him. And I said, hi. He says, hey, kid. I said, yes, Mr. Sinatra. He says, you make sure you cook as good as your pop does. I said, okay. Now, he was just doing that to make me feel at ease because he knew what an effect he had on people. But that was the kind of thing that um, brought up. But my father was always there with me. So I, I wasn't that I was lacking confidence because I always had him to fall on, you know, back on with it. But yeah, it was, it was a challenge for that. It was a challenge to... Um, to make sure that you know you didn't run out of things and you made the sauce every day when you had to and you knew what you know what to rotate your stock and to keep things uh, fresh all the times you know how much to buy you know especially something like fish which is so perishable and things like that so that was the challenge and um you know it's 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 longer hours so it wasn't what i was used to as you know an ex-college student uh, which uh, i didn't go to college too much that's why i didn't <laughs> i graduated but you know it was, it was just something that I never really was interested in until I took the television film production. I started out in pharmacy, and it just wasn't for me. I don't know why I picked that. And all my friends would always joke with me and say, what are you going to school for? Are you going to work at the restaurant? What's the I never thought about it. 
unlike my older son, who since the time he could talk, this is all he wanted to do. And we had to talk him into going to at least go to college. My wife and I said, look, this is the deal. Finish college, then you could work here. He wanted to go right out of high school, which I think he's glad he did. And, you know, kids seem to get smarter as they get older. I don't know, it's, mm -hmm. unless it's my imagination. <laughs> Maybe they think their parents are all crazy, but, you know, we try our best. Will he be a chef or will he be managing a restaurant? Uh, my oldest son likes the uh, management part of it, the business. He took, he took actually, um, he got a um, master's in business in Quinnipiac up in Connecticut. And um, he tells us he learned nothing, but I don't believe him. <laughs> so he wants the more real life experience. And uh, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's already been here uh, full time since, uh, since May. But wow. he's been working here on and off for 10 years in the summers and things. You know, in college, you get a longer break and like that. And the youngest son always likes to cook, and he still does. When he was in Italy for four months, I mean, all his friends came to his house. He was always cooking. And I tell you, he's, he's unbelievable, the creation, the way he's so creative. I mean, he really sees something, and he can vi visualize what he wants to make out of it. And one of the things he's done, and he lost about 80 pounds, he's uh, gluten-free, which is not my favorite thing when I serve pasta. But, you know, <laughs> there's so many, there's even gluten-free pasta, of course, things like that. Rice is gluten-free. Um, you'd be surprised, and, and he just makes he makes gluten-free breads. He makes all kinds of things like that. He just loves to cook, and he always did. But he's pursuing right now. He likes psychology, which uh, I think is good in the restaurant business too, right? I mean, spaghetti I'd meatballs. Say so. Have a spaghetti meatballs and then put them on a the couch. Right? <laughs> make, a, make a new career here, something like that. But um, he just um, he's uh, uh, someone who really loves school, and he gets a lot out of it. He really does. So. And, you know, I would never force him just like I was never forced to do that. You know, mm -hmm. it's something that's got to come from inside, from your heart, because mm -hmm. it's important. What do you see for the future of Patsy's? Well, you know, I'm so happy that we're here for 75 years, same family. I mean, I don't think that's unique, but it's certainly rare. There's restaurants long and not necessarily the same family as well. Um, I see, as thank God, my son, uh, for sure, my mm -hmm. oldest son joining, I think... Um, He's going to try and, like, uh, modernize. I mean, the other day, it's so funny, last night he's doing the end of the calculations on a computer, and we have a customer coming here 20 years. He says, a computer in this place? I never saw a computer here. What is this? You know, he says, well, he's modernizing a little bit, you know. So I think he's got those kind of ideas, um, different ways of um, serving the customers. Not necessarily, you know, because a lot of people say, how come you're not on an open table or things like that? And even my, my son agrees with what he says. You know, I think it takes away that personal touch because the computer is going to tell you 10 Saturdays from now we're sold out between 6 and, and 8 because I know that's the time it's going to always be blocked out. But a human answering that and saying, oh, and even the same night, if it's a party of 10, no, but if it's a party of 2, look, if you could come at 5.30 and you could give them back the table at 7.45, you can work out those details that I feel mm -hmm. that uh, uh, that type of program would block out people. So... I'm not saying it's bad. I don't know if it's for us. So those, those are things I see as the future. Maybe God willing someday trying to expand, but right now I just want to concentrate, make sure the business is good. You know, we're a little bit of changing the guard now. My wife has joined the business now. She's, uh, she's very smart. She knows, uh, you know, how to keep uh, all the records. And now you have to, uh, going back to challenges, you have to keep all the records of the employees and the wage notices. And now, you do sexual harassment training and things like that. You want to make sure that you uh, keep on top of those things. And, and that is, is, is more my wife's uh, strength that she knows how to do that. She's an attorney. She was 25 years. She did maritime law, a very specialized uh, type of law. And now she joined us about four or five years ago. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a lifesaver. I mean, I couldn't do it without her. So that's simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> two, two ends of the spectrum there. What tips 
have you given to your son and what tips do you think you might give to somebody who would like to open their own business? I think the most important thing is to concentrate on the customer. Um, and I've told him that as well. And he's seen it now, being here almost 10 years. He sees that you have the steadiness, the repeat customer, the loyalty, the special affinity that the customer has for us. And you have to embrace that and appreciate it and make sure that you always take care of them the right way. I think that's the driving force of any business, restaurant, no matter what, it doesn't matter. Never, ever really relax in a sense of letting any of your quality or, or relationship slip. You always got to make sure that that's maintained. And like I say, the best thing I tell them, look, I know you're happy. I know it's great. But if something's wrong tonight and something went wrong, you tell me. That's why I'm here because I don't want you to be unhappy. I want you to be happy. And I think, you know, the, um, a lot of social media helps us now. I mean, I had no idea 10 years ago what Facebook was. A friend of mine told me to do it, and I think we have like 28,000 people on it. So it's, it's, it's in a great way to get a message across. We do recipes usually once a week on there. Uh, people seem to like celebrity sightings, things like that as well. Um, it's just another way of, of, of keeping connected with people because we never really did the mailing list thing when it was like snail mail. Now with email, we do send out email things, things like that. Um, a lot of the review sites are, are helpful in people finding. I mean, still the best way is word of mouth. We've cut down a lot on advertising. Um, I think it's more effective to, uh, to give people um, a direct um, connection with like Facebook or Google or TripAdvisor, things like that. I think that's just as important. I mean, but if someone tells you, and every night I'll experience it, and, and it's just, I'm, I'm beyond words to how to thank the people. They say, my friend told me when I'm in New York, I have to come to Patsy's Italian restaurant. And when they're finished with the meal, I say, are you still friends with them? You know, so to make a joke. And, you know, invariably it's, it's 99%. But, no, you know, people think, like, you know, you don't want to hear it. But if something's wrong, yes, I do want to hear it. I do want to know if something's wrong because I want to, that's what I'm here for. Otherwise, I might as well just stay home, you know. Right. That's why I'm here. I want to try and, you know, make it right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's the best thing, focused on the customer. Mm -hmm. You've also been on the Today Show a number of times, right? Yes, I've been very lucky. I've, I've been on a lot of uh, TV shows, cooking shows, things like that. Today Show many times. Um, uh, Martha Stewart I was on, uh, Fox and Friends. So many did. There was one called The Dish on CBS. But the only person I could not teach how to cook was Tony Danza. I was on the, on the Tony Danza show. We had a show here in New York for about two years back in the the mid-2000s, and uh, he was the only one I couldn't show <laughs> a couple, <laughs> couple of cooking tips. You know, it's uh, Antonio, uh, uh, his real name is Salvatore, so I kid him, <laughs> Sal like me, and Aya Danza. I says, uh, Tony, you know what you're talking about. I said, I'll just uh, take it from here, you know, and he was great. He would promote us all the time on his show. So much fun. He's, he's a great guy. I'll tell you a funny story how I met him. When my first cookbook came out in 2002, I did a lot of interviews. One of the interviews I did was with Wear Magazine. It's in all the hotels, Wear Magazine. And uh, the, the gentleman interviewed me. We were downstairs, and downstairs we have a lot of uh, celebrity photos on the wall. He asked me some of the normal questions, you know, how, how long you've been in business and all these things. And then he said something that no one ever asked me before. He said, Sal, whose photo is missing from the wall over here? In other words, which celebrity has not come in that you'd like to see? And I immediately said, Tony Danzi. He had never been here, and I've always been a big fan, grew up watching, you know, Taxi, Who's the Boss, and all that stuff. And so they put it in the article. And um, he was staying at a hotel about five blocks from here. 
And the bartender shows him the article, says, Tony, you're in this Wear magazine. He says, I didn't do an interview for Wear magazine. He says, no, no, this guy wants to meet you, right? So one night, Tony Danza walks in the door holding Wear magazine in his hand, screaming with his other hand like Italians too with their <laughs> animated hands, saying, my name is, is in the paper. I'm here. Where's this guy, Sal? I didn't know to hug him or hide under the table. But we became friends, and he was flattered that I wanted to meet him. So it was, it was really a, a cool... Uh, a cool anecdote. And then he had got the show a few years later and he, was, he had me on all the time. It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. So much fun. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very lucky. I never work a day in my life because I love what I do. So I'm blessed. I mean, the hardest thing is being away from your family, which is tough, you know. The kids growing up. But now, you know, Joe is with me right now. My youngest mm -hmm. son is Joe. My, my oldest son is Joe. Yeah. And my youngest son, Peter, is here today. Mm -hmm. So, But we're very lucky. We're very lucky. And I love what I do. Um, you know, I want to emphasize this is our only location, Patsy's Italian Restaurant, West 56th Street. The other places, similar names, not affiliated with us. Long story short. Um, and, you know, if, if people like recipes, they could join our Facebook page, things like that. And uh, any questions and stuff, I'm, I'm usually here to answer the phone as well. I mean, you have so, there's so many funny stories. I mean, my father told a story. I think this is in the first cookbook. When uh, you're, you're too young, Dinah Shaw, she had a, a show, a talk show many, many years ago. And she was entertaining at home in, uh, in Palm Springs, California. And she wanted to make the Patsy's eggplant parmesan. She called my father at home, and he told her how to do the recipe. <laughs> so it's, it's not without uh, fail that we've done that. It's a, it's, a, it's a lucky blessing, a lucky blessing. And you put out a second cookbook in 2015. 2015, we came out with a second cookbook. Um, all different recipes except for the, the basic tomato sauce recipe, the uh, balsamic vinaigrette and the, uh, the seasoned breadcrumbs, but all new recipes. And that's uh, Patsy's Italian Family Cookbook. So we have some more family recipes in there. Uh, my wife, my cousins, my mother-in-law, things like that we put in. But it's, it's like probably 65 to 70% restaurant and then the rest family. And the first cookbook was almost 80% restaurant, 20% family. Second cookbook was, uh, the forward was written by Ben Stiller, who has been coming here for many years. His, uh, his parents started coming here. They, they tell the story of how their first, uh, when they first made it big, there was a show called The Ed Sullivan Show. It was like the, uh, the Tonight Show of that time. And when they first got on that, they came here to celebrate. That was that many years ago, and they've been coming ever since. And even uh, their two children, Ben and Amy, have been coming forever. So he was kind enough to write a forward. And he wrote some, some very, very, very touching things. I always get the chills when I read the forward. He was... Um, it, the photo is by Ben Stiller, and it says, and it's in quotes, what can I make for you tonight? And he goes throughout the, the stories telling that. He says when he was a little boy, Grandpa Patsy and Grandma Conchetta said, oh, what can I make for you tonight? And he says that co continued with my father, Joe, who was then the chef, and he'd say, what can I make for you tonight? Now today it's with Sal, Joe's uh, son, and I look forward to when Sal's sons could say to me, that's before they joined the business, Ben, what can I make for you tonight? So it's, it's a very um, touching thing to show the longevity of the relationship. I mean, there's someone who's been coming since he's a little boy. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, the loyalty and, the, and the, that people show us, I'm just very honored by that. anything special for your 75th anniversary celebrations? I feel like the best way to celebrate it is really just to continue doing what we're doing and making sure people are happy so that God willing we're here for, for many more years. Um, we're, we're blessed in the, in, the, in, the, in the fact that Grandma and Grandpa started so many years ago. I think it would be a hundred times more challenging to start a business now. Um, 
And I think that they really uh, laid the groundwork. And I always make a joke. I say, they laid the, you know, the paving of the road. I just got to keep the car on the road and keep things the right way. So in my sense, it's relatively easy compared to what they did. I can't imagine anyone from that generation. I mean, think about it. They left their country. They left their family. They came here. What, a, what an amazing uh, spine they had, you know, and a sense of, uh, of, of, of being uh, so sure of themselves, you know. It's amazing. I, I still marvel at it. At this point in the interview, something unexpected but so fun and so wonderful happened while we were chatting with Sal. I asked him if he would be kind enough to share the story that he had told me about the Yankees back in the 1970s and Frank Sinatra. And he said, Betsy, I can do you one better. Give me a moment. And off he went downstairs. And a few minutes later, he came up with Ray Negron, who was the bat boy for the Yankees for many, many years and a member of the YES, the Yes Radio Sports Station for the Yankees. And Ray sat down and told us his side of the story, which brought tears to all of our eyes, including Sal. And then Sal went on to tell his version of the story. You listen to both, you choose, you decide. It's all terrific. You want to sound funny? The guy, he's here. Who was here that night? You want to talk to him? He's, he's downstairs right now. <laughs> yeah. So, hi. How Could are you? Could you introduce yourself for me? I'm Ray Negron with the New York Yankees and the producer and one of the stars of Bat Boy, the play. Cool. And how long have you been coming to Patsy's? I've been coming to Patsy's since 1977. Wow. And could you please tell me about your interaction with Frank Sinatra? Uh, let me just say that, uh, like they say about Yankee Stadium, Patsy's is sacred ground. And when you come up to the second floor, you feel Mr. Sinatra. I don't say Frank Sinatra. I don't say Sinatra. I say Mr. Sinatra, like if he's right here right now. And uh, I first came here in 1977 with Billy Martin. Uh, the first time was when we were having the celebration. We had won the World Series and the whole team, Billy brought the whole team here and uh, we were scattered all around the, the restaurant, this floor. And uh, then Mr. Sinatra came in and uh, he said to Billy, what are you doing here? And he said, what are you doing here? See, people don't understand that they were already friends. They had known each other. When the Yankees won the World Series, Sinatra sent a telegram because he had been in the stadium back and forth and we went to LA. So he sent Billy a telegram of which I had interceded to give to Billy. And the telegram said, Tommy, Tommy Lasorda is a goddamn liar. I was rooting for the Yankees. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> when we brought the team here, everybody was like, you know, looking forward to it, this and that, but they didn't believe, the players didn't believe that Frank Sinatra, who came through the staircase over here, had actually, was actually there. And then all of a sudden, one by one, they wanted to meet him, it was important to meet him, et cetera. You know, and uh, it was just, a, it was a beautiful time and a beautiful moment. And to see uh, Joe, Sal's dad, cater and take care of Mr. Sinatra, and how only Joe could touch Mr. Sinatra's food. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, uh, it wasn't that he was uh, a big shot. 
he was Mr. Sinatra. And and that's how we wanted to take care of him. And, and that's how Joe wanted to do it. You know, Sinatra, Mr. Sinatra was a regular guy as far as he wanted to lead on. You know what I'm saying? But he was beautiful. And uh, I come here, and if I get emotional, forgive me. I come here because I don't want to let go. And I don't come here if Sal's not here. You know, like on, uh, like I know that on Tuesdays he's not here, so I won't come here Tuesdays. And I knew it was safe to come Thursday, so that's why I'm here today. And uh, that was the greatest time of my life. And uh, Mr. Sinatra made me feel like I belonged. Growing up in the Bronx, you go to places and it was like, know your place. Especially being a minority or a man of color, know your place. And to come to a five-star restaurant and to have Sal and Joe and Mr. Sinatra make you feel like you belong. This is why whenever somebody says, where do you want to eat, Patsy's? You understand? My friend, um, Charlie Santura from the Yes Network says, there's an Italian restaurant right near me, which is blocks away, miles away. And I said, I'd love to, but I, I, I can't. You understand? It would be like, like having a girlfriend and messing around with another. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Rayo's. <laughs> I hear it's a nice place. I heard that Mr. Sinatra had been there once or twice. But I know that this was his home. So I feel him right now. He's got his arm on my shoulder right now saying, good job, kid. You know, that's why I love Patsy's. Thank you so much for talking with us. Okay. Okay. That was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's my brother. It's, uh, no, it was from my heart. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. And it got all of our hearts. You've got to see his play backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. He started. Tell him, tell him how you started with the Yankees. Tell him how you started with the Yankees. Oh, yeah, wait. Go back. Oh, yeah. You could tell us more about the play. Yeah. Yeah, we'll promote the play. Well, I I started with the New York Yankees. Uh, well, let me just say, in 1973, uh, uh, I was outside Yankee Stadium. And what we did in those days, they used to say the Bronx was burning in those days. And I was uh, outside drawing graffiti with some people. And all of a sudden, uh, 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 somebody says, look out. And everybody starts to run. I trip. I'm caught. I'm put in the holding cell, getting ready to be sent over to the 44th precinct. Then all of a sudden, the man that caught me came back and said, give me the kid. And he drags me to the Yankee locker room. He says, give him a uniform. He's got damages he's going to work off. And so they give me a Yankee uniform. And that night, I was the bat boy for the New York Yankees. And the man was George Steinbrenner. And uh, that's why today I do bat boy, the play. 
and uh, there are sequences. I've actually shot video of Joe and Sal talking about Mr. Sinatra and what he meant to me. And in essence, that's why the play lives on. How did you, maybe I should know this story already, but how did you get on the team from being that boy? No, what happened was uh, I went from being a bad boy to, you know, the legend of that situation got so strong that George Steinbrenner just always wanted me to be a part of the Yankees, you know, mm -hmm. and with the exception of uh, going on to do a movie here or there, because uh, I've acted in some films, I've actually produced films, you know, and producing my play and my friend Charlie Santoro is, is actually one of the actors. He plays Yogi Berra in the play. And uh, he gets his butt beat at one time. And the, uh, this past Sunday's show, uh, he, he actually took a fall. But he played, like, you know, like the pro that he is, he made it seem like it was a part of the show, even though he busted his ass. <laughs> you know, but that was great. And that's a part of uh, the legacy of... Uh, Patsies and the Yankees, you know, they go hand in hand. The uh, the Patsies is, is they're the Yankees of Italian restaurants, you know. That's the bottom line, you know. So I got to wear my Yankee hat here, mm -hmm. you know. And then look, my Patsies hat on top. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite dish when you come to Patsies? Um, the uh, actually the shrimp marinara is my mm -hmm. favorite. The shrimp marinara. Mm -hmm. You but ever the, change it up, or do you? Well, if Charlie's paying, then I. <laughs> <laughs> when Charlie pays, I, I get the 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 grilled chicken salad, which I love with a passion, with a side of spaghetti with the marinara sauce. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know. Sounds really good. But when I when when, I, when I'm paying, then I go for the uh, shrimp marinara. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually once did a uh, cooking show. I produced a cooking show out of here. Yeah. I, I think last year, you know, and uh, it was fun because we got to cook up, uh, like about five different meals. And you know why it was so great? Why? I didn't have to pay that thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> the food is so good, you know, I can't help it, you know. I could eat patsies every day, you know. Mm. So that's the story. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> so back in 1977, the Yankees won the World Series. And, um, Billy Martin called up my father. He was the manager at that time. He said, I want to come in a party of 50. New York Yankees want to celebrate when we won the World Series. And my father said, sure. And the upstairs room here where we're sitting in right now could be divided into two sections. It's usually only open one big room. But there's a curtain about one third of the way through that uh, could block off a section for about 35 people. So the Yankees came, uh, came in. My father congratulated them for winning. And they... Uh, and he congratulated Billy Martin and the Yankees. And they say, I got your table set over here, meaning the other part of the room. And the curtains were closed. And Billy Martin said to my father, he says, Joe, what's the matter? We always sit back there. And my father, he didn't mean it. He says, I got that saved for someone really important. So Billy Martin got very angry, as anyone would. 
And he says, who's more important than us? He was yelling at my father for about 10 minutes, and we got the signal that Frank Sinatra was coming. And there's a side uh, entrance that he would come in, and there's a side door that leads up to the second floor that he would come in. So the, uh, the curtains were opening, the doors were opening, everything was rustling. I guess Billy Martin wanted to see who was more important than him. He comes, Sinatra's coming up the steps, Billy Martin's coming down, and he sees him, and he says, what the heck are you doing here? Like that. He says, and Billy Martin, first time in his life, couldn't talk. He got all tongue-tied. He was like, oh, my God. So Sinatra walked past him, and then he came to the back, and he sat in his, in his table, and then uh, Billy Martin went over to my father. Instead of being mad at him now, he said, oh, Joe, do you think I could meet Frank Sinatra? you think I could meet Frank Sinatra? So my father asked him, he said, look, He's a little tired. He just flew in from the West Coast. He said, just, just you come back here. And so he went to go get uh, Billy Martin. And Billy Martin says to the whole team, come on, guys. We're going to meet Frank Sinatra. And Sinatra was so patient with him. He had to, you know, for about an hour, he shook their hands and everything. They were thrilled to meet him. He was happy to congratulate them on their win. And uh, it took about an hour. And then they went back to have their dinner. They, they both finished dinner about after three hours. And the Yankees weren't going to get up until Frank Sinatra left, you know. So finally, Frank got up. He pulled the curtain back. He waved to the whole team. They clapped for him, everything. And he went out the same door he came in. Billy Martin says, comes to my father. He says, you know, Joe, what a special night. He says, we won the World Series. We ate at Patsy's Restaurant. And we got to meet Frank Sinatra. He says, now that Frank left, he says, we can go. Please bring me the check. My father hesitated for a second. He says, I can't do that. Frank picked it up for you. So that was the kind of guy he was. And just so, uh, so special. And they all have memories of it from way back when. And I was a kid. I was 15 years old. I mean, again, it would be a great time to have had video cameras back then <laughs> to see this. But uh, a special moment, a special time. And, um, and, a, and a fellow like Ray, who you spoke to, has been coming here since 1977. I mean, again, how do you thank him? That's amazing. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Ellie Cody, and this has been an interview by Manhattan Sideways. Out of the tree of life, if you'd like I to learn more about this particular business, or to discover and read about thousands of other fascinating small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, please visit our website, sideways.nyc, and of course, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, at NYSideways.